From Community Public Radio, this is the CPR News. From New York, I'm Don DeBar. Russia was denied two attempts at the United Nations to discuss its concerns about killings of apparent civilians in Bucha, Ukraine, that the West are blaming on Russia. We're going to discuss that with Mark Sloboda. He's an American living in Moscow and is a widely sought political analyst by media around the world. Mark, welcome. Glad to have you with us. Let me ask you about this. Give us an update on what's going on with this. Sure. Okay, so Bucha is a town, a small city, you know, depending on how you uh, just uh, rate these things, um, about uh, 63 kilometers uh, north of Kiev. Um, and the uh, Russian military, as part of their um, you know, strategic move to withdraw from the areas around Kiev and Sumy in the north to use those forces to finish the cauldron uh, in east Ukraine, uh, where there is a large agglomeration of the largest and, and supposedly the best uh, forces of the Ukrainian regular armed forces uh, in the outskirts of the Donbass region um, around uh, Kramatorsk. Um, this this is where it's viewed that you know the the kind of the pivotal moment uh, the, uh, of the conflict is, um, and these forces have been nearly enveloped in a cauldron. They are almost certainly. Uh, have been pummeled a bit by artillery and airstrikes, although you know they're doing their own pummeling back with artillery. Uh, but they're almost certainly running short of fuel, ammunition, uh, probably food, etc. Russia hopes uh, to, you know, uh, having enveloped them, cutting off lines of retreat. Uh, they had a, an opportunity to retreat earlier, but evidently uh, Zelensky said no. Uh, that you stay where you are because it could be used for propaganda purposes by Russia. Um, and they were told to, to maintain where they are and not to retreat to a, a better uh, position where they might still be able to get supplies. Uh, so this is deemed the most important thing uh, by the Russian military for this phase of the conflict. So they've pulled forces uh, away from Kiev in the north for this. One of the towns that they... Um, pulled their forces out of around Kiev is Bucha. Um, and it's best to take a look at what happened here in terms of a timeline. Uh, um, so um, on uh, March the 30th, um, the Russian military announced that they had completed their withdrawal uh, from Bucha from the areas, um, and that um, they were warning that uh, the Russian Ministry of Defense also put out a warning um, that uh, the regime in Kiev might be staging uh, false flag incidences uh, involving, you know, uh, accusations of war crimes, atrocities, that sort of thing. On the 31st of March, the mayor of Bucha, who had never been removed by the uh, Russian troops, Anatoly Fedorik. Um, he had never mentioned 
uh, in these past weeks, anything about Russian troops yeah. firing on, killing civilians, committing any atrocities, everything. On the 31st, he claimed that Bucha was liberated, that there were no Russian forces left in the city and that Ukrainian uh, forces uh, were moving in. Right. That were in the city at that point. Right. Um, and he also uh, he specifically referred to the Russian forces as orcs. Mm. Like Tolkien, like like means like, what? Uh, yeah, yes, as as Mon. That's uh, that's a, a a way that uh, the um, the Kiev regime has actually long referred to uh, Russians as as orcs. What's an orc? Uh, what is that? Oh, it's uh if if you're uh, if you're familiar with J.R.R. Tolkien, uh, fantasy, Dungeons and Dragons, anything like that, they're they're Neanderthal humanoid monsters. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They they use the word because actually J.R. Tolkien is very popular in this part of the world. Okay. Uh, so um, they they are. That's the one of the ways. Yeah. I mean, there are many derogatory terms, but that's one of the most common ones to refer to. Often not just Russian troops, but Russians uh, in general. Right. Um, so he said that um, uh, Bucha had been liberated from from the orcs. Um, on that day, also, the National Police of Ukraine, uh, which uh, has been thoroughly infiltrated by the far right. I mean, there are little neo-Nazis that have had high positions in the police deputy uh, in Kiev and elsewhere uh, in the country, uh, you know, not just the rank and file, but at, at, at the highest level. They announced officially right and this was put out on their website it was uh, uh announced it was, it was posted on social media that they were conducting a cleansing operation of bucha um and oh. that this was to be uh to get rid of possible russian saboteurs and collaborators right, right? they they specifically said that right this was to cleanse the city of collaborators um and then let's Fast forward uh, to um, April 2nd, when suddenly um, there is evidence of a massacre in the city. Uh, and uh, uh, Western reporters are brought in to go down one particular street where it seems that a lot of bodies were killed. Uh, evidently, all of them basically right in front of their driveways or in the middle of the street so that if you drive down the street, you see a lot of bodies. Um, it's not clear whether they died here or were dragged here. I suspect it's probably a mix right. of the two of them. Uh, but um, the Western press, uh, the media uh, immediately jumped on this as, you know, the withdrawing Russians uh, committed a massacre of Ukrainian civilians just because they were leaving and they wanted to kill Ukrainians. Uh, now, uh, this, of course, flies in the face of everything we've seen from the conflicts so far. Right. Um, right. Forget, you know, the, the talking heads and that, you know, the, the U.S. military experts have long attested that the Russian military, you know, uh, has actually been, you know, hurting their own military goals 
in their uh, attempts to either their you know quite stringent attempts for rules of engagement for trying to avoid not only civilian casualties but at least in the initial phases of the conflict uh, casualties among the Ukrainian regular armed services uh, as well and the Russian uh, uh, military at this point controls an area of Ukraine about the size of Great Britain including uh, Ireland including uh, Ireland and. Right. You have not heard of anything else of this type of thing coming from any of these areas. Internet has not been shut down in the country, right? right? Uh, Although Russia could have done that with their electronic warfare, which is one of the the specialties of the Russian military. There's a big question, you know, about why they haven't, and Western military analysts debate that. Uh, But um, we haven't heard this in in, in anywhere else. We have. There is, you know, lots of evidence, you know, it's it's a real thing. You can say it's for PR value if you want, but large amounts of humanitarian aid have been delivered to the areas where Russian troops have have moved into, right? Uh, Food, you know, medical supplies, that that sort of thing. So uh, what is the rationale that Russia would just suddenly kill everyone they could see on the way out? Well, then you're left with they're orcs, right? right? That's that, exactly. that's because they're brutal, barbaric, evil, right? right? And they just want to kill Ukrainians. They just, we're, uh, we're leaving, we have club, we smack in head with club. That, yeah. Yeah, that, right. that, never mind that large forces, you know, numbers of the forces that with are with the Russian military, you know, from Donetsk, Lugansk, right. uh, are Ukrainian, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, and they have been victims of exactly the kind exactly, of behavior exactly, that they're being yes. accused of right now, too, for eight so, years almost. All right. Uh, So since the narrative came out, there has also been a video that was uploaded by one Sergei Karotik. Uh Uh, Sergei Karotik is a uh, far right uh, fighter. He's actually Belarusian. He's a Belarusian neo-Nazi who came to fight uh, in Ukraine and listed one of the battalions. And he posted a video of the Boatsman Boys. Uh, in Bucha. The Boatsman Boys is one of the more notorious of the t- uh, territorial defense battalions. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, in this video, I mean, they this it's it wasn't the original wasn't just this one clip. It was one part of this. Right. But they're going through the town. Um, and um, one of the uh, Boatsman Boys asks one of the others. Uh, so these people without bloom armbands without blue armbands, we can just shoot them, right? Uh, and the other guy said, yeah. And uh, in the background, it can actually be made out that someone uh, in a distance is saying possibly to, to some other of the Ukrainian forces, please don't kill me. Um, and there's no question this is Bucha and that these are Ukrainian troops. Now, and the people big with question blue of- armbands are what? I mean, we're basically saying that this is a free fire zone you can kill anything that moves except for people that have blue armbands. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I was just getting to that. A large, uh, at, at least in the pictures that, that were put out by the AP driving through the city, it was specifically written up also by Reuters in their report uh, from on the ground that they were shown some bodies with white armbands. Now, uh, in this conflict, uh, one of the ways that troops are using to quickly identify each other, because the, the camouflage uh, is uh, not the same, but it's uh, similar, right? right? Um, is to use colored armbands to minimize as much as possible friendly fire. Right. 
right? Accidents. And in, in different areas, different uh, 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 troops are wearing different armbands, but uh, the Russian side is in different areas using white or red. And in the uh, Ukrainian forces in different areas, they're either using blue or yellow. Uh-huh. So someone wearing a blue and they these armbands are then often worn by civilians, right, as a sign of uh, I'm with you. Right. Don't shoot me. Right. Or, I, you know, I'm not a threat or, you know, working with them. Uh, so, um, you know, anyone with a blue armband is either Ukrainian troops or uh, civilians who are working with the Ukrainian military. Right. Right. Um, whereas anyone with a white armband is either Russian troops or people who were working with the you, uh, Russian military, which means collaborators. Right. Right. That's that's that that's the deal. That there's a very real possibility that at least some of these people uh, killed were executed in this cleansing sweep for being collaborators. Now, uh, I don't think that all of these dead, at least you know, they, there's claims that there's some f- up to 400. Right. That's the, the the highest level I've seen. 400 civilians uh, uh, in this city uh, that uh, is claims that they've been killed. We've seen the bodies of a couple of dozen uh, from uh, the Western uh, uh, media reports. You know that can that that can be verified. Um, and and at least several of these did have the white armbands. Now there was some actual reporting done by the New York Times out just in the last 24 hours. Um, that um, in in the street in question that Western media was driven down that you know generated this whole news cycle uh, that there were crater impacts on the ground and if you take a look at this video you can see that there is one of the dead is a woman who was riding a bike uh, and it seems she was just killed right there um, and another uh, someone who was obviously walking from the grocery store right. um, and had. Uh, spilled uh, next to their their uh, uh, fallen body uh, a bag of potatoes right. out on the ground. Right, you you, you see this. Um, so what it appears is that at least some of these people were actually killed uh, in artillery shelling. Right, right. Uh, of Bucha, which the logical uh, conclusion is that this would be Ukrainian forces moving forward shelling. Uh, the town as the Russians were withdrawing, right? right? Which right. is, you know, you know, totally legitimate. Right. And for this, the case, you know, if Ukrainian forces killed some of, of their own civilians with right. uh, artillery fire, okay, that's collateral damage. That that is that that happens in war, in urban combat, happens on both sides. Yes, uh, you know, unintentionally, Russian forces are killing Ukrainian forces, yeah. uh, civilians, and Ukrainian civilians are killing. Or Ukrainian military are killing Ukrainian civilians. It just happens in war. Right? I'd say it's at the impact. rate, by the way, according to the uh, United Nations Office uh, of uh, the High Commissioner of Human Rights, the number is about one-tenth the rate that was used for the first month and a half of shock and awe by the United States. Oh, yeah. In Iraq, yeah. I mean, the civilian yeah. casualties in the country, they were, what's been you know recorded is uh, officially is uh, a, a fraction of yeah. the type of shock and awe that the U.S. did in their first month yeah, of today Iraq. It's, today so, it's uh, 1,480 as of today. Yeah. And, the, that, and the U.S., that, uh, for, for a month less time, from March yeah. 20th until April 9th, 
uh, killed 6,700 civilians. Yeah. So. Yes. And uh, a fraction of the airstrikes and munitions yep. used as yeah, well. Right. Not because Russia doesn't have them, right? Yeah. Their country is right next door, but because they have actually tried as much as possible and they haven't always succeeded to minimize right. uh, collateral right. damage, right? And these are, uh, you know, can be indiscriminate weapons. Right. So it seems that some of these troops, uh, people were probably killed by accident. Uh, and some of them may have been summarily executed as collaborators. And there are plenty of people that Ukrainians. I know uh, online. Hmm? By the Ukrainians, not by, by the, the Ukrainians, Russians. by right. the Ukrainians. Right. And I mean, there let, let's talk about the history of this, because there has there is plenty of evidence at this point, video evidence posted by themselves. They film themselves saying this, particularly of, of these far right battalions and members in the military of them torturing and executing Russian POWs. Yep. Uh, they they film themselves doing it and post right. it themselves. Right. Because. Yep. They're killing orcs, as, you know, as, right. as far as they're concerned, right? right. And they there are points. plenty of people online who will tell you, well, oh, that that's okay because they're being invaded. Well, I mean, you can say that, but it's actually a war crime, it's right? Absolutely. That's that's Geneva, uh, you know, a Geneva Convention. The right. same thing with right. collaborators. Oh, they were collaborators; they deserve to die. Okay, sure, uh, it, that, that's your opinion. Uh, I don't agree with it in any country, and uh, you know, certainly not a summary execution, and uh, that is a war crime. Um, but um, the, uh, also, I mean, this is the Ukrainian press has reported about the number of officials that, uh, Ukrainian officials who have been summarily executed on the street by their, on, on a couple of cases, their own intelligence services, the SBU, or in an, another couple of cases by these uh, far-right battalions, uh, uh, Azov and others, uh, in the capital because right. the people that they were killing were declared traitors, right? Collaborators, right? Yep. And they, they – on at least one occasion, video was – they filmed themselves uh, you know, uh, surrounding the uh, guy's car in the middle of the street and filling it full of machine gun uh, holes. That was a former uh, deputy director of the Ukrainian intelligence forces. They just – uh, executed him and filmed it on the street. And in another incident, one of the Kiev regime's first peace negotiators in their peace negotiations with Russia, he was shot down by the SBU, by the Ukrainian intelligence, in broad daylight, entering a courthouse in the city. Uh, and, and again, the reason given is he was a traitor. And summary execution is, you know, hey, that, for them, that's fine. So th there is a precedent of these types of crimes of, of killing. Uh, people summarily executing them that the Ukrainians are posting and are reporting themselves, but it's not repeated in the Western media. Right, because it is illegal under the third uh, 1949 Geneva Convention and the Convention. additional protocol one of 1977, yeah. among other yeah. things. But it doesn't fit the narrative. Right. 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 <laughs> we're, we're, we're on the side of the good guys, you know, the side with the neo-Nazis. And, you know, it would confuse the narrative and confuse people if we say, hey, they're summarily executing their own people, their own officials. Uh, they're killing POWs, that sort of thing. I, I, so, as, 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 you know, it's bad politics, of course, to do that. But it also the part of the narrative that really foils is what they call uh, Vladimir Putin a war criminal when in fact these are war crimes being committed against Russian prisoners of war by yep. the Ukrainian authorities in direct violation mm -hmm. of the Geneva Conventions on that matter. Yeah, 
I mean, and, and and there's really no question about this. And it seems very likely if this was a provocation, as I believe the weight of evidence shows, that this was done immediately after the first exposure of some of these Russian POWs being summarily executed, again, by the Ukrainian far-right forces themselves. Right. Zelensky actually answered in a Fox News interview, uh, a, a, he, well, he kind of avoided the question that they were asking about Azov and the other far-right battalions. And he said, they are what they are. They're defending Ukraine, yep. right? There are Nazis, right? They're, 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 they're kosher Nazis, right? right? Because they're killing uh, ethnic Russians, Russian troops, uh, East Ukrainians, you know, who don't, who have never, uh, you know, agreed with the overthrow of the government back in 2014. Right. Uh, and as long as their hate is directed primarily there, even a president of uh, the Kiev regime uh, whose father was Jewish, you know, That's is right. pinning hero of Ukraine medals on Azov and right sector right. fighters. Like you said, they're kosher. He's the rabbi yeah. that certifies them as, co as kosher. Well, okay. Uh, to, to be fair, I mean, Zelensky is not a practicing uh, No, yeah, uh, I understand Jewish. that. Yeah. So, but that's yeah. that's what's used politically as an argument. Yes. In other words, it's absurd to even make the claim that these are yeah. Nazis because the president is of Jewish ancestry. That well, that's the, that's the, the one argument, right? Yeah. Despite the hundreds and hundreds of articles in the Western press over the last eight years saying, ah, Actually, there's kind of a far-right problem in Ukraine, yep. and these neo-Nazis are state-armed and funded. Even CBS, right? BBC, New York Times, all yeah, of them. They're integrated. Uh, not only do they have their own discrete battalions, but they are basically the National Guard. And they They've were been sanctioned, too, by military, the, the police, the security services, the mainstream political yep. parties, right? Yep. right? They're, they're all through everything. Yep. But, hey— they're fighting Russians. Right, that's right. So that's the second line of argument. Yep. As long as they're fighting, well, up until a couple months ago, it was they're killing ethnic Russians, uh, Sovak or Katsup East Ukrainians, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and leftists uh, right. in East Ukraine. And therefore, they're kosher. Right. Right. Yep. The, the people that the Russians are supporting uh, in Ukraine, like we're supporting. Supporting the neo-Nazis, uh, you know that's that's a really uh, cynical uh, whitewashing and apologia. Their their ideology does matter. The fact that they glorify as the Ukrainian government has officially World War II era Nazi collaborators and Holocaust perpetrators, yep. the OUN, the Organization of Ukrainian Nationalists, the Ukrainian yep. Surgeon Army, yep. the leader Stefan Bandera, yep. and a whole host of other right. That is wrong. That is that is that is historical revisionism. It is it is exactly what the Russian uh, government accuses, uh, you know, the Kiev regime of of doing is Nazism. It is glorifying uh, Nazism in an attempt to manufacture a an anti-Russian Ukraine, yep. right? Because you need some type of historical thing to draw on, and this is about all they have in Ukrainian history. Um, so you know that is what they they resort to and it is now being whitewashed it is now you know you'll hear a whole lot of revisionism oh oh stefan bandera was imprisoned by the nazis yeah yeah because he wanted a an independent fascist ukraine he got a little too big for his britches they put him uh you know in uh, premier conditions uh him and a few other leaders on their hold they right. continued to organize for the nazis right. while That's they right. were there yep. encouraged their, their troops to continue to fight alongside the nazi troops and when he was let out he went back uh, and did it again. he, he yeah. went back 
back on his SS uniform and fought for the Third Reich till the end in Berlin. Yep. So that that is a that is a bit of of historical revisionism that cannot be allowed. Yes, he would have preferred an independent uh, Ukraine, an independent fascist Ukraine, right. because he was an ideological uh, fascist. Right. Anyway, and the people who are his modern ideological descendants, uh, you know the. All of these far-right battalions, the politicians, you know, in the mainstream parties that support them. Yeah, that that is banderism. That you've, is you've got even more Ukrainian Nazism. You got ideologues like the C14 group, for example, where they actually will, you know, and on videotape and in English, <laughs> describing their ideology, and their ideology is identical to the Nazis, except they believe yep. they are the true Aryans. They're the largest yes. country in Europe. That's what they say. I guess they don't see yeah. Russia in Europe and or the largest Aryan country in Europe. Yeah. And therefore, it, it's now their historic role to lead the Aryan yeah. people to the, you know, yeah. to their yeah. destiny. Yeah, C-14 is another one of these. Um, yeah. it, and it has been documented, even in the Western press, that they have, in the last eight years, attacked uh, gypsy camps uh, in, in Kiev. Right. They, they have attacked. They've killed at least a couple, you know, and uh, attacks on, on gypsies is a real regular and accepted thing. And what does is C-14 is state armed and funded like right sector and Azov. What does C-14? What does that mean? I That's forget. the 14 words of the white Aryan creed. Right. Right. That's right. Slow. The, the Russian word uh, for word. Is slow. It right. starts with yeah, the C, which is the S, right? Yeah, yeah. That's the C fourteen. That's what the the fourteen word stands for. Yeah. And, you know, and it, it, whenever any Western journalist tries to airbrush one of these groups like C fourteen, I'm like, yeah, and what does that C fourteen mean? Oh, it's the fourteen words of a white Aryan racism, yeah, right? right? You know, yeah. like like. The, the founder of the Azov Battalion, uh, Andrei Belinsky, who is now a member of the Ukrainian Rada, by the way, one of their congressmen, <laughs> a, a, right? What was what did he say? The national idea, right? The big thing about Azov is they repitch this wolf's angel as an NI, the national idea. Right. And what is what is the national idea which he formulated Azov on? That the, the Ukrainian nation must lead the crusade of the white people to save the world for white civilization. Right. Uh, I'm paraphrasing, but that, that's, that, that's yeah. pretty much exactly what he said. Um, and, but you know, Hey, they're fighting Russian. So they're, they're, they're kosher Nazis. Um, and when uh, actually in Mariupol, uh, there's an excellent piece, uh, by the gray zone, um, by Kit Clarenberg for the, the Gray Zone. I strongly recommend everyone read it. Um, it's new witness testimony about Mariupol Maternity Hospital airstrike follows pattern of Ukrainian deceptions and media malpractice. Disinfo, right? I strongly recommend everyone read this, and it's a thorough debunking of this whole Russia-conducted airstrikes uh, against the maternity hospital because they wanted to kill pregnant women in Mariupol. Yeah, Azov was there. Yeah, they took over the hospital yeah they used a few people for uh photo ops to claim that the russians hit the building and the people that they one of the the, the women that they had showcased in all of this uh she's come forward to say what really happened there um and uh, there's a video uh up there of her uh, uh, and it also goes into some initial debunking of the whole Bucha story i mean and we've seen this the snake island hoax right, right. this the martyrs of snake island that weren't 
actually martyrs because they all surrendered without a fight and there was no fu russian warship which i mean you can buy that slogan uh that this fake slogan you know of an event that didn't happen you can buy coffee mugs and t-shirts yeah on Amazon. they showed up at a press I, conference I mean, after they became martyrs yeah. for the Great. first time uh, in history this uh, ghost of Kiev, this Ukrainian pilot who's shot down uh, a thousand Russian airplanes every day, and doesn't fake. exist, of course, right? right? Um, the the supposed Russian bombing of Baba Yar, uh, the the uh, one of the Holocaust sites, right? Uh, oh, end of Chernobyl. Okay, it didn't happen. No, nope. right? Uh, debunked several days after the stories yep. uh, come out. The um, uh, bombing of this maternity hospital. Didn't all right, yep. uh, no, didn't happen. Uh, and Azov had taken up a firing position after they emptied the hospital of most people, but were also stealing the food of the food of of, of a few of the pregnant women who were still there, yeah. uh, including this uh, young woman who was uh, come forward, uh, who was involved and photographed in it, yeah. and. The AP reporter who reported on this and was reporting from Mariupol, he was embedded with Azov. <laughs> right? <laughs> um, and, and this has gone over in uh, the piece there. Uh, the AP reporter um, is, let's see here, Yevgeny. Um, uh, anyway, read the piece. Yeah. Um, he's an AP reporter, right? Okay, so it is one thing for you, for uh, journalists, to be embedded with militaries, right? Yeah. Uh, it, it's legitimate on on the U.S. side. It's legitimate on the Kiev regime side. It's legitimate on the Russian side, right? Um, but yeah, I, I, it's Yevgeny uh, Maloletka. Maloletka, yes. Uh, so he was embedded with Azov. Now, embedding yourself with a literal neo-Nazi death squad, state-armed and funded, that's a different story. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'm sorry. Also... That, that, that is, that is uh, to say the least, there are some severe ethical questions that should be raised. And on that note, we're out of time. Mark, thank you for your time. We'll talk with Thanks you for having soon, me, I hope. And that's all the news we have for you right now. For Community Public Radio, I'm Don DeBar in New York. Thanks for listening.